Welcome to the Humor in Games podcast, an analog and video games podcast about how humor is experienced, designed, and analyzed in games. We are Scott DeYoung, Mark Lajeunesse, and Andre Zanescu, and we'll be your guides in this six-episode series. Throughout each episode, we'll break down different theories and forms of humor. We'll draw on interviews with designers, critics, and academics as they discuss the different aspects of humor, their own lived experiences, and how their work utilizes humor in games. In this episode, we talk with Dietrich Squinkifer, aka Squinky, about their various new media projects that have explored games about feelings and capitalist dystopia. It just get started with like the, the general intro question, which is, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And that can be uh, around your work or whatever you'd like us to know. Great. Um, okay. Well, I'm Squinky, which is short for Dietrich Squinkifer. Um, I'm an independent game designer, and I make games primarily as an art practice, whether alone or with trusted friends. Um, I'm also a lapsed academic. I used to work in the video game industry, too. Um, and I tend to bring queer, transgender, neurodivergent, and racialized perspectives into my work. That's amazing. That's such a concise answer, too. <laughs> well, thank you for giving me the questions ahead of time so that I could make notes and be more coherent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that being said, if you ever want to go on on like topics that weren't inside the questions, that's also fine, too. Sure, sure. Um, we'll play it by ear. <laughs> yeah. So I guess since we're talking about humor in games today, I suppose one of the easier questions to ask is, you know, what's a game that comes to mind when you think about humorous games? So um, there are a lot of games that do come to mind, but um, I guess like the ones that stand out to me um, and that I have like... Um, historically found very inspiring um, in terms of my own work have been um, like the LucasArts adventure games of the 90s, like Monkey Island and Day of the Tentacle and Sam and Max and Grim Fandango. Um, so those were like very, very formative games for me. And um, like they are also great examples of where like a lot of humor was um, built into the game mechanics um, and the puzzles. Um, so like, um, yeah, that definitely had an impact on me. That's awesome. I, I'd never thought about Grim Fandango and uh, your work, but that makes so much sense after spending some time looking at your, like your, your catalog. Uh, sounds like such a perfect fit. Um, so, I mean, you've, you've been dealing with games in so many different ways, uh, so many different perspectives too, like as a practitioner and an academic and now like an independent artist. So I guess, what do you what does humor mean to you when we're talking about games or any kind of art practice or just regular life really yeah well that's a really good question um uh, like one thing i think there are a lot of different kinds of humor um the kinds of humor that I find that I really resonate with and that um, I try to bring into my art practice um, include like humor around the absurd or unexpected, um, especially because like um, 
absurdism in humor is uh, like kind of having a cultural moment right now because we live in such an absurd, confusing, and chaotic world at the moment. Um, and I think this also includes things like um, like the resurgence of wholesomeness um, and uh, and meme culture, um, like kind of like when you live in a world where you expect people to be mean and cruel, um, like uh, there can be this element of unexpected pleasant surprise in um, like people just being kind and nice. And so I really love that kind of comedy. Um, I also really enjoy satire. Um, I like to like, I like mocking um, institutions, abusing power and uh, like people abusing power. Um, and I also really like bodily functions. Um, I love like jokes about poop and farting and awkward sex and um and I and what I really love about this kind of like uh, crude bodily humor is um, there is kind of like this universal nature to it. Like um, it's like everyone has to deal with bodies being weird and doing gross things, um, and uh, like it doesn't discriminate. And I love that. Um, yeah. And also, like, in general, um, like, one thing is, like, being funny is a coping mechanism I have used for a long time in order to get people to like me. Um, and I definitely bring that into my games. That's... I, I hadn't even thought about that kind of variety in different kinds of humor. Um like that you could that you could put into a game but it makes so much sense when i hear you talk about it um yeah like i definitely have this mix of highbrow and lowbrow for sure so when you're when you're starting a like a, a game project or, or, or an art project are you are you starting with a theme and then humor sort of emerges naturally from that theme or are you thinking about i wanted to have this kind of humor first or is it all kind of mixed? How do you how do you go about it? Well, like um, it really depends um, in a lot of ways. Uh, like um, kind of like yeah, it depends on the context behind uh, like how and where and with whom I am developing a game. Um, like sometimes it is like just as simple of like, wouldn't it be funny if we made a game about? something that we don't generally make games about um and other times um i kind of like i guess like start with more of like a feeling or like an aesthetic or yes like whatever stories emerge out of that and then like humor just becomes a part of it because humor is a part of life and um when you're trying to express some kind of like story some kind of feeling through a game you want to draw on life um so it's like kind of like sometimes it is like very specific and sometimes it is very general yeah 
do you, I mean, going over your catalog, you have so many different kinds of formats, and I've seen that some of your games are solo projects and some are more collaborative. Do you feel like that impacts the kinds of humor that you put into your game, or is it really, how, how do I explain it? Is it more just that you're, you have a clear vision for the project that doesn't really get that compromise, I, I suppose? Well, I guess, like, um, no matter what I'm doing, I bring myself um, and my personality into the experience. Um, so if I'm working on a game by myself, it's definitely all about me. But if I'm working on a game with other people, um, like, I bring like I bring myself into it, but it's also like other the other people I'm with and our relationship and um, like what happens when uh, like what happens in our relationship. Yeah, uh, makes so much sense. I I suppose I'm asking because I'm trying to figure out you know the the process of how how it goes from being uh like a a project that you kind of have a vision for into something that exists in the world um and like at what point do you feel like you know you've achieved humor or if it's just throughout the process like how do you is there some kind of measurable threshold when you feel like it's funny enough for you um uh so that's also like a hard thing to gauge. But one of the things I do look for is like, um, how do I feel about the process? Um, uh, like when I am when I am working on this, does it does it spark joy? Does it make me kind of like giggle to myself inside? Um, does it uh, does it make other people giggle when I tell them what the game is about? Um, and when I'm making the game with other people, it becomes about like. Uh, are we laughing and having fun as we're working on this obviously maybe not all the time because like sometimes like like there's definitely a lot of work involved um in making a game but um like yeah in general um like are we having fun doing this work together because like i think the end product um like the process in like in any kind of art the process like comes through in the final product yeah i i mean we've had a couple of classes together but i, I don't think I'd, I'd seen your games in action as much as these last couple of days looking at them for the interview and they're downright hilarious games like oh, chess for men and uh, oppression olympics had me chuckling inside my apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope I didn't bother my neighbors. But I, I guess those are also, those are kind of serious games as well. So I, I suppose, how do you thread the needle, you know, between having these games be very funny and enjoyable to play, but also communicate serious topics or, or topics that, players should be attentive to yeah well um so like the thing is i like i kind of like um 
my style of humor is very much like it's not all going to be light or dark. Um, it's going to be balanced and nuanced. Um, like it's like um, so me like um if you're trying to do something comedic without any like darkness without any kind of like it's like what is it say like if it's not really saying something if it's not really trying to express something then it kind of just falls flat for me likewise if something is just like completely serious like okay we are gonna be serious now um then then that is also like really boring uh, and not that interesting to me. Yeah, that that seems to make so much sense. Uh, I, I mean, they have such a like. I don't know if whimsical is the right word, <laughs> but I, I definitely had an element of like like self deriding humor when I was playing them. So <laughs> I I hope other players feel that way too. I hope so. Do you, do you feel like um maybe maybe for these specifically but also for other games you've made like that tension between the serious and and the humorous part was sort of what you were thinking about most when you were making them or was it more about the the topic or 50/50 I guess. Yeah. Um I guess like um it just goes back to um like uh, this idea of um humor as a coping mechanism. Um like uh the way that I just deal with um difficult and challenging stuff in life um is like partly to like joke about it. Um and uh, just to like Kind of like zoom back out and uh, like just notice just like how absurd um, the like situation is um, like um, so like yeah and uh, like like for instance um, the oppression Olympics game um, was literally like um, based on um, like this joke that people make about um, like how we talk about oppression in terms of it's like, like it's like this group of people is more oppressed than that group. And we have to take care of this group before we can take care of that group. Um, and so like a lot of the humor just like came from that joke that already existed. Um, and then like something like, uh, like chess for men um, was um, like, it was actually a game that I made for um, an assignment um, back when I was still doing my PhD and you were in that class as well. Um, we're supposed to like design a game for um, another person um, and uh, like, like, yeah, I designed that game specifically to make somebody uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I wish I would have played it in 2016. Uh... Mm -hmm. Because it feels very relevant to then and now. Yeah. A bit sad about 2020, but... It's true. So, I mean, you've been mentioning, and I'm, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but you've been talking a lot about sort of humor as a coping mechanism and humor as a, as a way to make, forge social ties to other people. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's humor's 
primary function for you or are there other aspects of humor that you like to to work with or that appeal to you um yeah well um i guess like there is uh like uh definitely the um social bonds aspect to it um and it's also kind of a way that like because um humor is incredibly subjective it's um a way of like uh signaling um who i am trying to communicate with and um like uh, i guess who my audience is um and so like i uh like yeah so i guess like i try to um i i try like um if my like my sense of humor um is very much a product of like me and my circumstances and the people i am uh in community with so um like humor is kind of a way to like signal to me- to members of communities i'm part of that um like hey this is like this is a game for you um and like when you're part of communities who don't like historically have a lot of like games made for them um or who aren't like the kind of audience that um like big game companies have in mind when they make games um this is kind of a way of being like like hey this is this is a game for you yeah i I think you're absolutely right. And that's such a valuable way to look at it. I'm, I'm curious. I, I mean, I feel like your, your answer is adjacent to another question, which is sort of, how do you feel about, you know, the, the meshing of humor and politics, or do you feel like game humor in games is affected by political? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, a hundred percent. There is like, um, I think there are like there are politics inherent in um, all kinds of humor. Like um, the questions to ask are kind of like, who is the target of this humor, and what is being ridiculed? Um, who is in on the joke? Who is left out? Um, so, like questions like that are very relevant. Yeah. And I, I suppose if one of the questions that you're asking yourself or that you would expect people to ask when looking at your games is, you know, who who is this communicating with and who is this trying to to forge bonds with? Um, do you feel like sometimes humor in games can also be hurtful towards other people or exclusionary in some way? Oh, definitely. Um, like... Um... It's like I have definitely like um experienced jokes um like in games but also in general that are like meant to hurt people or mock people like me um like uh, like jokes against trans people um like like making fun of fat people making fun of disabled people like making fun of neurodivergent people and like that is something like that kind of grew up with a lot of that kind of humor and um it was like 
I didn't understand at the time, like how hurtful it was. Um, but uh, like it definitely fed into like a lot of like internalized self-hatred. Um, and that is absolutely something that I don't want to express in my own work. I don't want to like hurt um hurt anyone who doesn't deserve it honestly yeah i'm i'm really sorry that that was the experience growing up um i wonder you were mentioning earlier sort of this resurgence of wholesome humor and wholesome memes do you feel like that resurgence is in part as pushback against this kind of you know punching down kind of humor absolutely um that is like, uh, and that's like kind of definitely one of the things that like I absolutely love about the wholesome meme culture. It's like, it's like, and it's like kind of playing again with the uh, like uh, with the absurd, um, like and unexpected. Um, like it's like, oh, you're coming in here like expecting cruelty, but instead you get kindness, and um, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I. I, I kind of wish that was the the humor culture growing up that I saw. Um, I think I what I saw was a lot more negative. So same. I'm I'm so. Do you see like the use of this kind of wholesome humor sort of as an educational tool in your games? Like, do, do you feel like you're using it to communicate something to players or to teach them about something? Um. Uh... Well, yes and no. Um, so, like, I don't necessarily go into it with a deliberately pedagogical mindset, but um, in terms of, like, learning in general, like, I love learning things. Um, I hope that people learn things, um, like huge part of communication with other human beings is learning new things and um like uh and appreciating perspectives that uh, you might not have considered because you haven't had the same lived experiences um so like um yeah like i think um yeah my games are educational in the sense that like any conversation with another person would be educational yeah no, I, th I think that's really a, a valuable way to look at sort of communicating that doesn't have to be like scaffolded by a, like a teaching pedagogical regimen of some kind. Um, so it, it seems as though the way you approach uh, like humor in games really seems to be from a lived experience perspective or something that speaks to you. Do you... Do you ever um, engage with like theories of humor or have like some more abstract concept conceptualization of how humor is deployed or is it really practical for you? Yeah, well, there is like, um, I guess like theory like comes from somewhere, comes from some kind of practical experience um, and uh, like like I guess one of the things that I think about is like um like design um and like and, you, and like how to like um design and like 
an interactive experience um, that expresses something humorous. Like, uh, I think, like, doing something unexpected with, um, like, controls, um, like, using alt controls, um, and, uh, like, making things, like, too easy or too hard on purpose. Like, those can all express a lot of different things um and uh like can be ways of like just like getting somebody like having someone play something and like and like as they're playing they'll just like laugh it's like it's like wow this is so weird and unexpected so like yeah thinking in terms of so like um thinking about design that's something i uh that's something i draw on like um humor is not just at the level of text or like um, non-interactive content um i definitely think that the interactivity is a huge part of it yeah so do you i mean your your games seem to span like a fair amount of different kinds of technologies different kinds of formats do you think like that has significant impact on how you're trying to convey your humor like what objects you can work with or what formats oh absolutely um and uh like it also um like i guess like um using materials that um you wouldn't expect to like uh, play a video game with um like can be definitely this uh this vehicle for humor um like um uh, like one of my favorite uh, examples is uh, "Rustle Your Leaves to Me Softly," which I made with Jess Marcotte, um, where basically you caress a plant and um, it uh, and put on some headphones, and the plant will like spur ASMR poetry to you, um, and it's like. <laughs> hilarious and intimate and kind of uncomfortable and weird um but also very delightful yeah that oh my god i i imagine i would be immediately red-faced <laughs> yes a um, lot of people got that reaction especially like since we've shown the game in public places <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious like do you do you feel like the kind of humor that you like to integrate in your games gravitates towards specific kinds of genres or like storytelling formats? Yeah. Well, um, so I guess like that the most succinct way of putting this is that like I started with adventure games um, and adventure games as a genre are uh, like, games where uh like the story is the point and what you do in the game like directly relates to what you're doing in the story um and while like most of my games like aren't uh, like classic adventures um uh, per se um at this point um that's like kind of like where i come from so um like like usually when i uh like when i'm designing a game i don't necessarily like start with the genre like i i don't necessarily go in and say like like oh i'm going to make a platformer now or like um i'm going to um like 
going to make a first person shooter or whatever. Um, I'm kind of like, it's like, I want this game to be a platformer because I uh, like, I want to express something through this game being a platformer. I want to express something about like, um, like the feeling of like playing like Mario um, as a kid, but then subverting that experience somehow. Yeah, that makes that makes yeah. so much sense. And like, I'm not thinking about like making a good platformer. I'm thinking about like what can I ex- what can I express through the experience of making a platformer. Yeah. So so the mechanics are in service of the narrative content or the the feeling that you want to convey. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. Um I you've talked a little bit about also showing these games or demoing them uh in public. And I'm I'm curious how you feel about sort of the the meeting point between your games and audiences like do you feel like the audience is crucial for your design process or is it more something that you make for yourself and then the audience uh will either like it or not i guess it's kind of both like um it's like i put a lot of myself into my games, but the reason I'm making games in the first place is um, so that I can share them with others and so I can communicate something to others. So I am thinking about my audience, but um, I'm also thinking about like, uh, it's like, I'm not necessarily thinking about creating something universal because that doesn't actually exist. Um, I'm thinking about like, it's like, Especially, like, um, as a kid, like, growing up pretty lonely and misunderstood for a lot of reasons. Um, Like, one of my driving forces when I decided to, like, uh, start making art and games and sharing it with other people is, like, I want to find other people who are like me and who understand, like, my experiences and what I've gone through and my sense of humor. Um... Because like a lot of a lot of games, a lot of art aren't made necessarily made with uh, people like me in mind. Um, so yes, I am thinking about my audience, but I am trying to like like kind of with the intent of finding my people, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I I don't know if um if your game or like your games or the way that you play games has has interacted a lot with uh like live streaming culture and those kinds of audiences which might be sort of like a a second audience like people watching other people playing your games or other games yeah um yeah well um first of all like I love the idea of um, like uh, of people streaming my games. Um, 
it is always it is not always easy to watch people stream my games especially if it's like um games i made like several years ago uh, it can kind of like the the consequence of putting so much of myself into my games is that like watching people play games from when i was younger can sometimes have that cringe factor of like oh they're taking out my they're like they've got my old graduation put pictures out and judging me based on that <laughs> rather than who i am now um like uh it's like I'm really proud of the Dominique Pomplamous games, but um, they were also made before I medically transitioned. So, uh, like, listening to my voice at a higher pitch is always going to be a little bit cringy. Yeah, that that makes so much sense. It really seems like, for you, the, the humor that you put in the games and the games themselves are such a big part of your life and how you you would like to interact with people i i think that's just wonderful uh, i love that a lot um and uh, i guess like um that's also part of like uh why it took me a, lo a much longer time to feel comfortable making games with other people because like i kind of had to spend a lot of time figuring out my own voice and also like figuring out myself um because like kind of part of uh like part of being trans and not realizing it for like a big part of your life um is that you'd have to do a lot more work in um like figuring out who you are um and that goes for a lot of like um lived experiences that are i guess like outside of uh like what is considered the norm in society um but uh like but yeah it is like um had to get to a certain point before I could feel comfortable like making my making games with other people and and uh, working on these collaborative experiences that are like not just about me, but about like me and other people and our relationship. Yeah. Do, do you think that's because there's maybe a, a degree of vulnerability when you're sharing this kind of personal humor and very emo emotional content that's going into your games? Absolutely. Um, and uh, like, I think I feel like all art worth experiencing just really does require a degree of vulnerability. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I feel like I should go back and play your games again now that we've oh. had this talk to sort of see them with different eyes, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um. I I think we're at the end of like the prepped questions and we sort of have a wrap up one, but I, I want to give a, a chance to either Scott or Mark uh, if they had anything they wanted to ask. Yeah. How do your experiences in the industry differ from making games on your own? Um, uh, so my experiences in industry are very much like, so you're like, um, when you're making a game that's uh, primarily commercial, um, 
the way you think about audiences is really different from like how I think about audiences when um, like I make games as an independent art practice. Um, and like, yeah, basically you want to do the capitalism thing and um, like, it's like, think about like, what um like what will appeal to the most people uh, who will then spend money and um like and make your studio more money um and uh like that's not necessarily like like I, I'm pretty like I mean I'm pretty dismissive of capitalism in general but um like there is a kind of like one thing like there is not really like such a thing as universal honestly for the most part um and um like i guess like i found that the way that people think about um like way that people think about designing games and like what kinds of humor um to put into it it is like it's a much more deliberate and much less organic process a lot of the time um and that is unless you have like um i don't know like guess like an auteur type developer on your team who happened to um like lead a team or make something that happened to um like gain a huge fan base um and uh like and so people are kind of like this is um it's like it's like oh this worked before let's try it again um and there's also like um can be a lot more focus testing like um bringing like bringing groups of people in and um like gauging their feedback um and yeah it is like very much like um instead of trying to um like express something like instead of trying to communicate something um your goal is to please an imagined audience. Um, and that's kind of like my sense of things. Um, well, I have seen that vary um, in like the past couple of decades or so that I have been involved in games and games culture. Um, like some of the work that I'm doing at the moment is diversity consulting, um, which signals that um, like, a lot more um like uh, commercial game companies are uh like are interested in like it's like all right um we've been neglecting a lot of audiences but um but we're at a point um in like we're at a point now where maybe we don't want to leave people out maybe we want to like um we want to be more inclusive um maybe we don't want to um unintentionally hurt anyone or intentionally hurt anyone um and uh so i guess like 
what I do um, mainly like with smaller companies and organizations. Um, I don't generally work for AAA studios that though that might change in the future, who knows? Um, but I guess like um, so what I do as a diversity consultant is I guess like I figure out where people are um like what uh, like it's like what is the team trying to express because like there are varying degrees here like what i talked about it's not just a binary of like trying to please an audience versus trying to like express something specific there are varying degrees in between that right so i guess like so one of the things i do is like find out where people are and then from where they are like Okay, here are ways that you can be more inclusive. Um, here are ways you can tweak your language so that you will be less alienating to non-binary people, um, for instance. Um, and here is, um, and like, yeah, here are some suggestions for like how you might want to think about some of the assumptions that you're making and like obviously like as a consultant um like it's like I am like I'm there to give advice and they can take it or leave it um but uh like but yeah that is like one of the ways that I kind of bridge that gap while we have you, could you talk a bit about your game, Robot Slow Dance? Yeah. So, um, Robot Slow Dance um, is uh, a game that gave me a lot of joy to make. Um, so, basically, the premise is what if Rock'em Sock'em robots, but instead of fighting robots, they were awkwardly slow dancing flirty robots um so they're uh so what i so like um i have kind of like using uh using motors and uh and arcade controls i've sort of developed this like physical animatronic game in a suitcase where you um like move these robots around um they're like kind of like standing um like a bit apart from each other with their arms stretched out um not quite touching like definitely like saving room for jesus or whatever um but uh but yeah like uh but also like them not touching is intentional because um i didn't want players to damage the robots by whacking them against each other like you can with something like rock'em sock'em robots um and so like as you're dancing, um, the robots have these like uh, procedurally generated flirty quips that um, are like, uh, it's like, what would a robot say um, if they were like, if, if they were trying to flirt with another robot, um, like, like talking about their micro processors or like complimenting their servos and and stuff like that um and uh there and like actually 
if you move the robots in sync with each other, um, then their dialogue gets like a lot more flirty, which is something that people maybe don't necessarily notice if they are sort of like just one off, like trying out the game. Um, but uh, like if you kind of like if you spend a lot of time with it, that's like one of the things that you can discover. Um, and yeah, it's and yeah, it's lasts about two minutes, um, like about like less than a length of a song, but uh, like the music is kind of like this loop of the intro to um, the song True by Spandau Ballet and um, like very iconic, like MIDI version of this like 80s riff that everybody recognizes. It's like, oh yes, this is a slow dance. So I guess our, our last question is like the, the generic interview wrap up question, which is, is there anything that we didn't ask you about and you would have wanted us to ask you about or anything that you'd like to, to bring up before we wrap? Um, let me consult my notes. Um, so yeah, I guess like one thing is that, um, I, I guess I kind of mentioned this before tangentially, but to make it more expressive, um, like one of my aims when I make games is um, to tell the truth and like to specifically to tell the truth about my experiences as I've lived them. And sometimes the truth is hilarious. And yeah, that's one of the of the reasons why I uh, like part of my approach to humor um, is that it is like rooted in truth or what I see as truth. Um, yeah, that, but, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you. Um, any as for other things. Um, Sometimes things can be unintentionally funny, um, but maybe that's not necessarily what you want. Um, as a game designer, you want things to be intentional. Um, so, like, if somebody finds something unintentionally funny about, like, something that you express, whether in a game or otherwise, um, Sometimes I find it interesting to like interrogate why that is. Like, what? Okay, um, they are laughing. I didn't intend for this to be funny. Um, why is this funny? And sometimes the like, sometimes the answer is actually kind of hurtful. Um, but sometimes it like tells you something like very valuable. Um. So I guess that is like, yeah, another thing to keep in mind. Yeah. I, I suppose that that goes back to when we were talking about, you know, the potential for humor to be hurtful. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think maybe we imagined it as people making jokes that are hurtful, not people finding things humorous in a way that might be hurtful to the person making the game, which is really an interesting flip.
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and like, um, it's like, so like, I guess one example of this is like, if, um, like uh, I have seen a lot of people like playing a game and making fun of it because it's a bad game. Um, and like, um, and by bad, I guess means like, there are a lot of assumptions um, put into that. Like this game was made by people who aren't skilled at developing games. Um, and uh, and like, but also like presupposing um, a certain goal that isn't necessarily like what was trying to be expressed here, um, if that makes any sense. So like, um, uh, and and like I've had this like uh, directed at my own work as well. Um, like um, there were a bunch of like Steam comments for uh, Dominic Pomplamos that was like like oh this is just like a lazy flash game. Um, why is this like why does this cost money? Um, and yeah, like another part of that is that like um, if you uh, like if you make a game that doesn't have like uh it's like what is perceived to be high production values and like a certain like standard or type of gameplay and aesthetic um then it should not cost money um well i mean like i already like um have a very strange have a strained relationship with capitalism if we didn't have to pay money for anything that would be nice but because of the reality we live in it does say a lot about like what we value um and what like people who play games value and um and it becomes this feedback loop where um like um game companies in the industry are like um less likely to um like try out or express ideas that they know that like this audience will um like mock or make fun of um and yeah so that's uh, that's also a huge part of it do you do you feel like that's maybe because it seems to me almost as though like the correspondence of like what people think a game should look like should play like the kinds of jokes that should be in it is kind of like a, a certain form of literacy and when things oh absolutely that, yeah. yeah i mean like i guess i think like um like modern art as an example um like uh usually like there is so much art that um like is trying to like uh, express something very particular and is drawing upon an a rich artistic tradition and is in dialogue with other art in that same kind of vein but like if a layperson looks at it they'll be like oh my kid can paint that or whatever um so i guess it's kind of like there's a little bit of that in play, um, and uh, that is, and I think that is something like uh, games in particular. Um, there are there is so much more potential for literacy to be developed beyond this very like narrow level. Um, 
which is like one of the things that um like it's one of the reasons why like i try to make games that aren't necessarily for gamers and that i have like tried to work tried to show my work um in like it's like more like art venues um like maybe like not necessarily the same games festivals all the time um but so but like um communities uh like like community events um like scene fairs or um like uh like yeah so um so like yeah bringing games to like people who aren't familiar with games culture but may have may be more open to um like different things that games can express and who may also be like a lot more literate in other artistic traditions outside of games and can bring that lens into what they play yeah that makes absolute sense to me <laughs> uh I mean, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that's all I had, but like the, this interview has blown my mind. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I love blowing minds. It's fun. <laughs> uh, Oh yes, I would love to. Um, so I am currently um, I'm currently working on um, an album of short games called Second Puberty, um, and yeah, basically it's a planned collection of seven games. Um, why seven? Very arbitrary reason, um, but it seemed like a good number to do, um, and like. It's, a bunch of games about um, medically transitioning, um, which I started doing about like a little over two years ago. Um, and, but also like, um, yeah, like dealing with the feelings coming out of like ways my life and my experiences and my ways of moving through the world have like changed since then but also like causing me to reflect on my past and what brought me to this point um and also like yeah dealing with um this weird world we now we now find ourselves in um so like i didn't plan these games out ahead of time i just kind of like work on one of the one at a time and so like i really appreciate how that's kind of allowed me room to like react to uh like major world events um like suddenly being in lockdown okay um like and the feelings that come out of that um so um like i have finished the um first two games um which are called super modesty brothers um and hold in your farts or die uh <laughs> and uh, I am currently working on the third game, which is called An Introvert Goes to a Party. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, if you want to, uh, like, if you want to support me, like, my continued development of this game, um, like, 
you can I'm giving uh, like people who support me on Patreon early access to the games as they get finished. Uh, but then everybody else like has to play the whole thing when it's done. And I am also like um, I have also like recently like started a uh, collective with um, some with um, Jess Marcotte and Allison Cole and various guest artists called Soft Chaos, and we've been developing LARPs and um, like various like. Uh, experiences um so we uh like last year we created a larp called this is fine about uh networking um it during the little like networking at a conference during the literal apocalypse um which is like oh god this game is becoming more and more real um like since we developed it and uh we also have been working on strangers on the net which is a discord based um like it's a discord based larp where you are in a chat room in 1999 um and role playing as like particular 90s fandom like uh, like buffy the vampire slayer or sailor moon um and uh that and we've run that experience uh, a few times and it's always been like this really beautiful, like nostalgic, cathartic experience. So uh, next time we run that game, I recommend, um, like, I recommend getting in on it. That was our interview with Squinky. Thanks again to the Tag Lab for supporting this series, and thanks to you for listening. 